Chapter 1. The Awakening Catherine! Cathy! A voice was sounding. It sounded like it was being said to her, but it wasn't. The voice wasn't loud enough. Catherine! Can you hear me? The voice said once more. She could see a square mirror attached to a wall, and under it was a basin secured and surrounded by a hard stone tabletop. The tiles of the wall were merging and separating from one another. She felt as if she had been sleepwalking and had suddenly awoken. She was confused and disorientated. She felt like she was walking on a cloud. The last time she had such a feeling was when she was suffering from glandular fever, also known as the kissing disease. When she received her ID which showed she was finally 18, she could not wait to experiment with the men she fancied in nightlife. This led to her being absent in her first university year due to sickness. She learnt to pick her men wisely, as picking the wrong one could make your neck bulge and put you on a drip feed of blended soup. She turned away from the mirror and peered down at the floor to where she thought the voice was coming from. Her vision began focusing, and with that she saw the fluorescent green jacket worn by a kneeling woman. The woman was crouching and holding another girl's head in her hands. Katie thought she must be a paramedic. Catherine, can you hear me? said the kneeling woman. Her pulse is very weak. Do you know how long she's been like this? said the paramedic looking up. A nervous man standing at the doorway said, I think about 15 minutes. I watched her go in and she didn't come back out. How did she look when you last saw her? She looked away with the fairies, either drunk or on something. Do you know what she has taken? No, I wasn't with her. I was just keeping an eye on her. Molly, her friend, told me to follow her to the toilet and then she didn't come back out. I think she has collapsed and banged her head on the floor. I'm treating her for a head injury and a possible intoxication or overdose. Is there anyone who may have known what she has taken? Only Molly, but she's left with some guys that they were both with and Molly's phone has switched off. Another paramedic sharply said, She's gone into cardiac arrest. Katie was in the toilets of her favourite nightclub and she seemed to be in two places at once. She could see what appeared to be her motionless body in the care of medical help, but she was also standing beside them. How can this be? She thought. This must be a dream. She spun around to see an empty toilet. A member of staff guarded the door, which was swinging open intermittently, as extra door staff were coming in and out, communicating to the paramedics. As the door swung open, Katie could see a large crowd had gathered outside. Crunch. A shockwave went through Katie's body, sending her straight to the floor. She couldn't breathe. She felt as if a horse had kicked her in the chest. She dropped to all fours. Being on one's hands and knees in such a toilet is not such a good idea. She looked to one side and came eye to eye with her own motionless body. Her head had lifted to the side and she saw that the girl's eyes, which were indeed her own, were open. Stand by, the first paramedic ordered. The second crunch made Katie hit the floor completely. Okay, we've got her. The motionless Katie had just died and been resuscitated. One of the door staff informed the paramedics. We've cleared a path to the fire exit and from there you can have access to the ambulance. In a matter of moments the toilet was empty. It was like magic. Time flew in a spectacular fashion. Girls started flooding back into the toilet and very soon it was back to its manic state as if nothing had happened. Katie stood looking around the room. Perhaps she had had a daydream and was now awake. She could see cubicle doors slamming, taps running and girls retouching makeup. 
She saw one basin was free, so she turned the tap on and splashed water down her face. She knew it would ruin her makeup, but she didn't care. She just wanted some lucidity and normality to return. When she looked up, her face appeared immaculate and was surrounded by a halo made from a decorative mirror. Her long brown hair hung on either side, her cheekbones remained prominent, and, most importantly, her mascara still highlighted her deep brown eyes. Every boy she had ever known had told her about her eyes. They would say, Katie, your eyes are so sexy. She had become tired of such empty compliments. Why don't guys ever look deeper? She always thought. She was confused. She knew that her makeup was not waterproof, and she wondered why it had stayed on. She turned to face a girl who was standing to her side. She was about five feet four inches, had long blonde hair, and was pouting in the mirror. Your dress looks nice. I bet you've had loads of attention tonight, Katie said. The girl made no reply. Katie spun around and saw a cubicle door open. She spoke to the girl who came out, but still no reply. This was odd, she thought. Girls can be bitchy, but never in the toilet. It's like a retreat, a haven, where all girls come together to glisten and shine. Fine, she thought. I don't need the lipstick anyway. She pushed the door open, and as she left, she was hit by the sound of the pulsating nightclub. She could hear the R&B music ricocheting and echoing around the walls. She turned immediately left towards the R&B room. She walked into the centre of the hallway, aiming straight for the middle of the double doors. In the distance, she could see the bar. It was about 30 metres walk, just enough to make an entrance. There were always hopeful men at the bar, and these men always fell over themselves to buy her a drink. Katie always bought her own money, but would quite often leave with all of it. She had given up trying to pay for herself. It's not new age and feminist, but it's a lot cheaper than paying for yourself, she thought. Her heels dug a few centimetres into the carpet. Her skirt only permitted model-like walking. Placing one leg over the other, she graced the runway. She walked past the dance floor to her left and gave subtle looks towards the illuminated floor area. It was early and few people were dancing. She walked past the VIP booth, which was perched high on the dance floor. She noticed it was empty. Student night, she thought. No big spenders in town. She was close to the bar now. It was ten metres long and decorated in fluorescent strips, mostly lit with purple and blue. Behind the bar staff was an array of alcoholic drinks, all spirits. The most expensive bottles were placed at eye level. Those were her favourites. She waited just off the queue. All the staff were busy serving. The queue consisted predominantly of groups of men. These men, she assumed, were students. Their heads shaved around the side with permitted balls of fluff on the top. They draped themselves in long t-shirts and squeezed into skinny jeans. Katie had smartly positioned herself next to some men who were wearing different attire. White shirts, chinos and smart shoes. Prep boys, easy pickings. The only problem with them is they will talk your ear off about Daddy's Bentley and the crazy after-party they will have. She didn't mind accepting drinks from them, as for them it's only small change. Later in the night they would get so drunk they'd forget who she was anyway. Hey Harry, did you hear about that hot girl who got spiked last week? Which hot girl was that? You know, the one we call Pocahontas. No way. Yeah, and because she drank so much, the drugs created a deadly mix and she collapsed. Wow, is she okay? No idea, mate. She's not in here today. How do you know? Come on, there's no tens in here. Ha ha, trust you to know that. 
She hated it when guys rated girls by numbers. That's funny, she thought, because she had just dreamed a similar story. She always thought she was slightly psychic. These men were taking their time to notice her, so Katie just queued up anyway. Surprisingly, she reached the front. This never happened. For the first time in months, she was going to have to part with some cash. Damn, she thought. This is one hour of waitressing. God, I hate wasting money. She always related the money she spent to the hours it took her to earn it. Her dad had always insisted she did this. He started it when he first gave her pocket money for hourly chores. Her dad was a lovely social Italian man, but very strict when it came to money and hated the waste of it. The bar staff seemed to be ignoring her. She had waited for over 30 minutes. This was unusual for Katie. All the bar staff were female, so she assumed it was down to their bitchiness that she wasn't getting served. She turned from the bar to look at the dance floor. People had begun to surge onto it as the old 1990s hip-hop classics had started to play and most people had consumed enough alcohol to dance to them. The room was circular and was moulded to serve the wooden dance floor. The DJ occupied a booth at the perimeter and he was given a raised tower to perform to his audience. Below the DJ booth were a couple of girls waiting to be invited up into his mighty tower. They wore dresses which were far too smart for such a place. Their hair had at least three hours of attention and their makeup was finished to a high standard. This was unlike Katie, was wearing a skirt but a casual top, concealed mid-waist by her long flowing brown hair. She stood tall at five feet ten and was unintentionally noticeable. She owned her own space and did not look British, even though she was. This was the usual conversation starter for most men. Hey, where are you from? You look like you're from Spain or Italy, they would say. Or if they were trying to be creative, they might say, you look Native American. She had heard them all. What really excited her was when a man noticed something deeper, something original. But that was a lot to ask, because she rarely gave men the time of day, unless they were buying her drinks. The night was a unique experience for her. She wasn't being noticed. She was getting bored, so she made her way to the dance floor, carefully crafting her way down the few steps. No one wants to stack it in high heels. She found an empty spot to dance. She had taken salsa lessons, so her hip movement was cat-like. Her aim was to dance for a few songs, gain some attention, and then go back to the bar to cash in on her efforts. Bending and slinking, Katie matched and synchronised her hips to the beat. She knew these movements were like catnip to men. Men were so easily manipulated. Two songs went by, and Katie had outdanced a professional dancer and an exotic dancer who attended as regularly as she did. She had still not received any attention. By now, she would have expected to have had a guy grab her hips or to have to shun a couple of guys for trying. Not even had she received some jealousy from girls whose boyfriends had been overstaring. She'd gained nothing. She thought, I can't be losing it. I'm only 21. Out of the corner of her eye, she noticed one man gazing at her. Finally, she thought. She knew not to make too much eye contact as she wanted to keep the mystery alive. Once men know a sure thing, they will not chase. They are more likely to leave you and try to pick you up at the end of the night after they have shopped around and been unsuccessful and become desperate in what is also known as the desperate hour. Luckily, the man was standing opposite a large mirror which was fixed onto a pillar next to the DJ tower. Katie had positioned herself there to catch watchers from behind. She knew every inch of this venue. She saw that the man was dressed like no other. He was dressed in fancy dress. 
he was in what appeared to be a martial arts outfit. She knew this because she had taken taekwondo lessons as a child. His outfit looked very traditional and even more so than she remembered. She thought he obviously did not get it from a party shop. He probably was one of those guys who took any opportunity to show off his alter ego. She imagined the conversations she'd have with him. Hey, nice outfit. And then she'd expect to be bombarded by too much information about what style he does and why he loves it. All the time he's massaging his own ego and trying to impress her. She decided to stay for one more song, as now she had an audience. She danced and moved, changing direction. She turned in his direction, catching his eye momentarily. He was watching her, but not in the usual way. He wasn't leering, lusting or hesitating, which are all the usual looks that guys gave her. He looked as if he was waiting. This was unusual. It appeared he was expecting her to come over. She timed her dance moves to give another turn in his direction. Her heels crisscrossed over one another. She caught his eye once more. He looked nonplussed about his surroundings and the sensual game she was giving him. He didn't even look intrigued or excited about her. She thought he must be not into women, or that she somehow knew him. She didn't recognise him at all. Katie would quite often get to a point where she didn't remember much of the night due to alcohol, so it's possible that she had met him a few times and he thinks he knows her. Her legs were starting to hurt and she hadn't eaten much before she came out. She was relying on the calories from alcohol and the mixers to keep her going. He was the only person in the room who was noticing her. She thought, well, I'd better start with him. Katie, excited as if she were on a catwalk, tall, gazelle-like. She positioned herself within earshot of him. There was no way that she was going to instigate the conversation. Very quickly, he started. You are some dancer, Catherine. I see you like to party. She slightly flinched as he said her name. He knows my name, she thought. I must have spoken to him already. Her game plan was to act like she knew who he was. Her memory was so scatty due to her late nights and lifestyle. She had read that sleep and brain analysts had done studies which suggested that part of the brain which is associated to memory can shrink due to a lack of sleep. Even though Katie knew this, she had changed nothing in the lifestyle. She had changed nothing in the lifestyle she was addicted to. She was not going to make any changes, and why should she, she thought, because she is so young. Yeah, I love to dance and go out. I can tell. You've spent the first two years of university doing so. So, you've seen me then? On occasion, he replied. Katie had not seen him at all. This was getting a bit creepy. Have you ever wondered why it is only me who talks to you? What makes you say that? I've seen you work this room to no avail, and finally you've come to speak to me, I, who have watched you all night. I take it you're studying English language or literature to speak like you're from a Shakespeare play. He looked confused and baffled. Who is Shakespeare? God, you are the funny one, aren't you? If we both stand by the bar, we can continue this conversation. Katie was growing bored. She didn't want to be chatted up by this guy, but maybe he could get served quicker than she could. What is wrong with this vantage point? We can survey what is in front of us just fine. Well, I think it's time we both had a drink. I think we are both too sober for this place. They both made their way over to the bar. I don't think you will be serviced, Catherine, she laughed. Not here and now, no, she chuckled. But yeah, I know, right, what's up with the staff? 
They are so pitchy. You better do it. I think they prefer men. Katie smiled to herself. God, I'm such a pro. It comes so naturally, she thought. Um, that's no use, Catherine. They can't see us both. We're invisible to them. However, they can feel our energy, that we contribute to the party. This guy's nuts, thought Katie. He must not be drinking alcohol, but taking drugs. He is totally useless to me, she thought. He is fun, and I'm bored, so I'll keep this going. So, you're not buying a drink, then? That is correct, Catherine. In fact, we can both play a game of seeing if they can see us if you like. Do your best to get their attention, and I will do mine. She smiled. She liked being playful, and this guy was showing something different. He was showing her no interest sexually. You go first, karate man. My name is Wraith, he said. Wraith stood up and launched himself into the air. As he rose, he turned and released a kick. His head just missed the ceiling and landed in stance with perfect balance. She thought, oh my God, he's going to get us kicked out. The security was very strict at the venue. There had been so many serious incidents in the past and the local authorities wanted to close it down. This made the owner enforce zero tolerance on bad behaviour. She waited for the inevitable, but nothing happened. Your turn, my lady. How am I going to top that? She thought. Katie was quite competitive, so she had to find a way of winning. At this moment, she didn't know what came over her. She leapt onto the bar and performed a coyote ugly scene, which she had seen on TV as a little girl. Shot glasses and drinks fell off the table. He looked impressed, and she hadn't even knocked a drink over his black tunic. She looked instantly towards the door, but security had taken no notice. The bar staff were just working their way around her, and service was continuing as normal. She bent over and took a spare drinks pump and sprayed beer from it into her mouth. No one noticed. She sat, squatted on the bar with the drinks pump in one hand, and pointed at him with the other. Okay, where are the cameras? Is this some kind of prank? I'm on some obscure cable network, aren't I? He looked at her and thought, What a beauty. This is some maiden. I bet she would make a true warrior. Too bad what has happened to her. He admired her and noticed her flowing hair that stopped at her knees and almost touched the bar. Her stare was intense but also slightly cheeky. She was now analysing him. He knew that a woman of such prominence probably possessed the power to read his mind. Wraith thought to himself, Empty your mind like a waterfall empties into a lake and block her invasive thought-reading operations. Out of frustration, he just let out. Stop reading my mind! Katie couldn't help but laugh aloud and she almost peeped herself. It's the way you said it. You believe I can. It's okay. What's your name again? Wraith. Wraith. God, that sounds straight out of a fairy tale. Wraith. I'm a woman and it's our job to read men. We were born with the gift. So where are the cameras and what show are we on? He extended one hand to help her down and said, Catherine, I'm afraid. I wish it was that simple. I think you have forgotten. Forgotten what? Forgotten what happened last week. Last week I was in Italy visiting my grandmother. No, this time last week you were here. I can assure you I was away. God, you must be on so much drugs. Last week, Catherine, you were unconscious in the toilets having been poisoned. No, that's not happened to me, because how would I be here now? You're not. In mind you are, 
but not in body. Your body is elsewhere. It must still be alive, as your mind is still here. Katie just looked perplexed. It started to come back to her. The daydream she had was becoming a memory. She began to quiver and shake, and instantly sat down cross-legged on the floor. You mean, I'm dead? Thankfully not. No, you are still very much alive. But how long for? I'm not sure. Katie paused and looked vacant, as she had no idea how to process this. She had watched Ghost with Patrick Swayze in it, and she concluded this is what was happening to her. Catherine, my dear, take my hand. She did so, and she was instantly lifted. He's very strong, she thought. What do you like to be called? Kathy, Catherine, or Kate? She looked confused by such a question given the circumstances. She answered, Well, Katie, really, and Catherine is usually when I'm in trouble. Katie, we don't have an abundance of time, he said urgently. In fact, time now is very precious to you and me. We must act fast. It's funny, because time is one thing I've always had loads of, she said in a ponderous, sad manner. And now, Katie, time is of more value to you than ever. We must act fast. You see behind the bottle, next to those trinkets? You mean the vodka bottles? Yes, those things. Can you see the timer with sand in it? Katie looked again, and right next to the bottle of grey goose was an old-fashioned timer which was filled with sand. She couldn't believe she didn't see it earlier, as that was her favourite spirit. Get it, my spring-legged vixen, he shouted. She looked at him with a smile like she wanted to laugh, but had just realised she had been given a command with a potential chauvinistic connotation. Um, I shall, but only because I have chosen to. He admired her feistiness. She was not to be controlled or belittled in any way. She would do well ruling a kingdom of some sort. She sprang over the bar once more. She was forever doing squats and box jumps in the gym, so she took pride in how easy this was for her. She liked to show off. She navigated her way around the busy bar staff and laid her hands on the timer. It was quite large and she needed to hold it with both hands, close to her chest. She placed it on the counter as she jumped over and when she landed, they both stared into it. Catherine, this is the time you have left, Wraith said. How long is it? Minutes? Hours? Days? No one knows. They aren't that accurate. They are kind of subjective but every so often you can see where your body is and even hear the sounds around it. As they stared, an image appeared between the falling sands. She saw her body lying in a bed. There were wires protruding from her. A heart rate monitor monitored her beating heart. Her father was sitting anxiously by her side. A man appeared in a long white coat and said, She's stable. She has survived the drugs and alcohol poisoning, but she's had severe trauma to the brain from her fall. She's in a coma, and we shall have to wait until she wakes to assess the level of damage her brain has sustained. I'm sorry, Mr. Peruzzi, but there is a strong chance she may not wake, and the longer she is asleep, the larger risk of brain damage and death. And with that, the image disappeared. Katie was shocked. Her mind was still processing everything. She was in a state of shock, but decided to accept the strange things that were happening around her. Wraith charismatically said, Well, there you have it, and now you know, young lady, you have a challenge and adventure awaiting you. She looked at him, and for the first time started to fully notice him. He was about six feet tall and quite well built. He had long blonde hair, which she thought was probably highlighted, and a confident grin which stretched across his face. Who is this guy? 
she thought. Doesn't he know that this news is absolutely crushing to me? All he could do was see the positive and the challenge that lies ahead. He's nuts. Katie looked around the room and saw the party was in full swing, with some dancing and swaying. The song No Diggity by Blackstreet and Dr Dre was playing. She looked at her new friend and said, So what now? He looked very happy with this question. It was as if he had been waiting for a lifetime for the penny to drop in her mind. We must leave your world and go to mine, he said. There we will have to go on a fairly long trip and find a magical ball, which will eventually lead to you and your body being reunited. Do you understand? She looked at him and decided to go along with it, but asked, And if I don't go with you, what happens? Wraith just could not wait to answer. He looked like he had been rehearsing his words. Well, you can stay here, and I'm sure you would like that, as I know you live and breathe parties. If you stay here, there is a chance you will return to your body, but there is a chance you may not. And then what? she asked. Then your mind and spirit will go somewhere else. Where? I do not know. But one thing is for certain, if your body dies, you won't be here physically again. Why should I come with you? Because if you come with me and do what I asked, you will be reunited with your body. But Catherine, I'm being truthful. Should you fail and your time runs out, your body will die. Please, summarise why I should come with you. If you come with me, Catherine, you are in control of your destiny. You will only lose if you give up and don't use your head. If you stay here, it's down to luck. You are just waiting. If you come with me, you get the chance to sail your own ship from its harbour and across the sea. There will be storms which could sink you and you may not make it. But Catherine, you get to be captain of your ship. What a decision, she thought. I could play roulette with my life or I could take some control and still fail. What I am to do? She stood bolt upright, straight, hands folded together over her stomach. She had lost her party vibe and was deep in thought. Wraith stood behind her, propped up against the bar. He was empathetic and didn't enjoy watching her struggle. Confidence oozed from Wraith, as he knew already what Katie was going to choose. He had watched her long before her unfortunate incident. He knew that at some point someone from the nightclub was going to cross over, but he did not know who for certain. He had watched many come and go, and he began to realise it was going to be her. Even though he suspected this, he could not stop the events which were going to unfold. He could only prepare. Katie turned to Wraith. Now she looked and acted like a different girl. She was serious and adult. Wraith, I'm going to trust and follow you. I couldn't stand being in this club for an eternity, and where you come from sounds much more fun. Plus, I like to oversee my own future. I'll take my chances with you. I have to ask... You're not a bad man, are you? Wraith loved her spirit. She was still playful, yet commanding, even in this crazy, insane situation. Katie, I believe you have made the right decision, and the answer to your question is, my belief is that I am good, but it is ultimately for you to judge. But what is for sure, good or bad, you have the choice now. Katie took Wraith's words for three seconds and then grabbed his hand, saying, Right, where are we off to then? Wraith smiled, stuck his chest out and said, Up these stairs. Katie looked up at the stairs which led up to the landing and then spiralled around a corner. Those stairs lead to the main dance room, she said.
main dance room in your world. In mine, it is the palace's ballroom. Come on, let's go. Wraith grasped her hand and ran up the stairs with Katie following behind. She quite enjoyed this, but kept a straight face. They turned the corner of the stairs and saw at the top a solid door. This puzzled Katie, because there was not a door there before. The door appeared to be solid oak, which was also unusual, as it matched nothing else in the nightclub. The oak timbers pulsated as if it was alive. Wraith turned to Katie with a playful glint in his eye and asked, Do you know what time it is? She replied, Funnily enough, no, but I think you want to tell me. I know your time. He pulled out the timer from behind his back. You were going to forget this, weren't you? It looks as if I was. Wraith continued, Once we go through this door, we can't go back. It opens only once, and when it's next open, I have no idea. Your time, Katie, is of the most importance to you. You must take great care of the timer, otherwise you will find time will escape you. If it escapes you, your time in my world and yours is over. You should be in theatre. You're so melodramatic, she scoffed. Wraith, in one way or another, we are all on a timer. It just so happens that mine is stuck in this thing. And with that she winked, grabbed his hand and led him up the last few steps towards the large oak door. Slowly she pushed it. She felt its heavy weight as it moved ajar. It felt like there was resistance from the other side. Eventually it swung open. A wave of festive atmosphere engulfed her instantly.